Why don't you clap your hands for him? Oh, we love you. He's such a good God. serve an awesome God and he's got good things for us he's got things set up for us he's got things prepared for us and I just want to keep having a good time on the road to heaven amen I just want to have a great time on our journey through our process and allow God to do what God does. Amen. It is so much fun living for God and seeing new people living for God and understanding how God works and what God wants to do in their life and what God is doing already in their life and the eyes that are opening and the places they're going and the things that God's taking out and the thing that God's putting in. It's exciting to see the church grow. Amen. Come on, that's it. Why don't you clap your hands to him? He deserves it, amen. He deserves it, amen. Mark chapter 1. Appreciate the man of God, his family. Appreciate this house, all our leaders. Appreciate all those that that are the church. I think that's everybody. Amen. It ain't a building. It's a people. It's the called out ones. It's the chosen. It's the peculiar ones. Amen. Who brought you out of darkness and showed you light. Amen. Mark chapter 1. God wants to do a work in this place tonight. God wants to do a work in this house tonight. If you can't feel Him, there's something wrong. And you need to find an altar, whether it's now or whether it's later. But before you leave this house, you need to repent. Because God is wanting to do a work in this place tonight. And He wants to do it in you. Mark chapter 1 verse 16. Now as He walked by the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and Andrew, His brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me and I will make you to become fishers of men and straightway they forsook their nets and followed him and when he had gone a little further thence he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who also were in the ship mending their nets and straightway he called them and they left their father Zebedee in 
the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Verse 21, And they went into Calpurnium, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for instruction in godliness. We thank you for education in your word. God, we thank you for spiritual formation. God, we thank you for divine transition. God, you are so very good to us. God, I pray tonight, God, that you would speak forth. God, that you would speak forth into ears that hear God. Lord, that there would be a response to your word, to your presence, God, in one's life. God, today, tonight, I know what you want to do. God, we pray tonight that we would be willing to allow you to do what you desire to do in this house. In Jesus' name, clap your hands to him. Thank him for what he's doing. Come on, thank him for what he's doing. He wants to use us. You may be seated. Those that wear glasses, you understand. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about following Jesus. And I'd like to title this, True Discipleship. True Discipleship. We are called to be followers. We are called to be disciples. And following Jesus is the greatest thing that can ever happen in our life. Being a disciple of Jesus is the greatest thing that can take place in our life. Matthew 28 and verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Everybody say, go. Go, ye therefore, and teach. That word teach means to disciple. He said, go, ye therefore, and disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching or discipling them to deserve all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He said, go, disciple all nations. I want you to baptize them in Jesus' name. 
I want you to disciple them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. This is the Great Commission. He commands those that He has given power to, to go. The command to disciple applies to all who follow Jesus. Not just to pastors and evangelists and missionaries. And part of the command is to love one another. It involves helping others to be what God wants them to be. It's discipling. It's loving them. It's showing them. It's grabbing alongside and saying, Hey, brother, this is what we do. These are the sayings. These are the commands. This is what the Word of God says. And you love the Word of God. Amen. And you love Jesus. Amen. But it's loving one another because I want them to make it to heaven just like I want to make it to heaven. And I need to disciple them and love them and come alongside and lift them up. That's discipling. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God wants you to use your gifts and your talents and your abilities to help others become more like Him. If you're gifted in teaching, He wants you to teach. If you're gifted in preaching, He wants you to preach. He wants you to go forth. He wants you to go therefore and disciple all nations. He wants you to go forth and baptize them in the name of Jesus. He wants us to go forth and teach them the commands that He has in His Word. It begins at the church, which we are the church. It's not a program. Discipleship is not a program in the church that somebody signs up for and says, hey, I'm going to be here for that class or I'm going to be at this service or I'm going to be at this carrying or this fellowship, but rather it is the culture of the church. It's a discipleship culture. It's what the church is. It is the culture of discipleship where every member, every man, woman, and child of God aims to help others to be more like Him. And it begins at home. It begins with parents evangelizing and discipling their children, their youth, to be more, to be better. You understand right now, I didn't grow up in the church. But my children have. And I thank God that two of the three are living for God and have brought others with them. And the third one's coming home. The third one's coming home. But it begins at home evangelizing and discipling those little children and it should ripple 
through the entire church and into the community and into the job and into the Walmart and into the Kroger and in through our businesses. It ripples. Effective discipleship is built on this godly message in godly manner, in godly motive, in holiness, inward and outward. The word disciple has several meanings, and one of them is pupil. A disciple is a pupil. It is a learner. It is one that is in the learning process. Being a disciple also means a follower. We need to continue to be disciples. I don't continue to, well actually I don't stop learning. I continue in learning. I stay teachable to the teacher. Come on, I stay teachable to the teacher. And being a disciple means that I am a follower. And when I follow Jesus, I go from just being a pupil I'm still a pupil, but I go from just being a pupil that's learning to be one that follows. God wants us to be followers. So you go from being a pupil to a follower and then an adherent to the faith. Adherent means clinging. It means sticking. It means a supporter. So if you are a disciple of Jesus, first, you're a pupil. You're a learner. You're listening. You're learning. And after you get tapped in a little bit deeper, and then you're a follower. And one that follows the Lord. And then you become adherent or a companion of Jesus. One that is clinging is one that is sticking. Thank God for those that stick. Thank God for you. You stuck. And you want others to stick. And you want others to say, hey, what is this Pentecost? What is this Holy Ghost? And opportunity presents itself and say, hey, you must be born again of water and a spirit to even enter the kingdom of God. And then you become a supporter. Come on, how many believe the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight? So here in Mark chapter 1, we find some things spoke about John the Baptist, who was John the baptizer. Now, I'm not going to be critical tonight, but there are some people that believe that John started the Baptist church. This is how, and I'm being nice, ignorant our society is. John was somebody that people came to and were baptized in the River Jordan. And he told everyone that came to him, that came from him from all of the land of Judea and Jerusalem. There is one that comes after me that is mighter, whose shoes I'm not worthy to latch. 
I'm not worthy to bear. And when He comes, He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He said, I can baptize you in water under repentance, but when He comes, He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That's why we're feeling, that's why we're sensing in this house tonight, that's what it is. It's the Holy Ghost. We are knowledgeable in this. And when they come in this house that are not knowledgeable and they feel the presence and they sense the presence, it creates a desire, a hunger. They Hopefully they get hungry for the Spirit of God to move in their life. That's why I need to be a discipler. I need to disciple so that He can baptize them with the Holy Ghost and with fire so that they can be baptized in the name of Jesus because we're telling them all the commands of the Word of God. Now our world today has a lot of denominations. And I'm, try- I'm going to be nice and I'm thankful for what we have. But I'm not here to criticize them tonight. But I believe in the church. We believe the true church is not a denomination. A denomination is something that denominated down from something that is a superior object. It is something that was denominated down from. And we know through the Word of God, the church was the beginning. And we want to be a part of the church. And we are a part of the church. There was a man by the name of John Smith. Back in 1609, he founded what is known as the Baptist Church. Then John Wesley started the Methodist Church. And they say that John Wesley didn't do it haphazardly. Everything he did had a method to it. That's why they're called the Methodists. There was a method for this, and a method for that, and a method for this. So people observe that they first called them Methodists because John Wesley had a method. Then you have a man by the name of John Calvin who started the Presbyterian Church because he believed that only certain people could be called and if you were not pre-chosen or pre-elected of God, you couldn't be saved. We believe a little bit different than that. That whosoever will, let him come. Aren't you glad that you were one of the whosoever will? That God said, I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that one. I'm choosing that one, and I'm going to have him pastor an awesome church. And I'm going to use that one to be a missionary, and I'm going to use that one to be an evangelist. And they're going to go, therefore, and teach and disciple and to tell them the truth. I believe in predestination according to the foreknowledge of God, but never a part of the foreknowledge of God. God knows everything. Who can be saved? Anybody. 
anybody can say, hey, I want this Holy Ghost. I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. I want to repent of my sins and allow God to wash them clean. If you're in this building tonight and you've never come to Jesus and become a follower, the accessibility to Jesus is easy tonight. If you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, young person, old person, you can have it tonight. You can come tonight to this altar. You can confess and repent of sins and He'll forgive you tonight. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus tonight. You can have your sins remitted tonight. You can receive the Holy Ghost tonight. You can speak with tongues tonight. The church started in the book of Acts. So, Brother Heath, why did you just say all that? There's not a bunch of sinners in the house. There's not a bunch of people that need the Holy Ghost. Yes, there is. These seats are full. Maybe your vision is a little clouded tonight. But I see more chairs are already put out. And I see them packed to the sound booth. And I see them pressing into this altar saying, I want this Holy Ghost. I'm not preaching into an empty church tonight. They're here. And if you can't see them, you better look a little bit deeper. They're coming, they're coming, they're pressing. They're saying, I want this Holy Ghost. I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. I want my house to be living for God. You see, it didn't start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It started in the book of Acts. It was foretold. It was prophesied. In order to get to the beginning of the church, you have to come to the Acts of the Apostles. Through Acts, they received the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, 8, 10, 16, and other places throughout Scripture. When you get to Corinthians, they're dealing with spiritual gifts. And everyone doesn't have the gift of tongues. Everyone doesn't have the gift of prophecy. Everyone doesn't have all the spiritual gifts. They're given to every man severally as he will. But everyone receives the gift of the Holy Ghost and speaks in other tongues when they get it. Another language that a spirit gives the utterance. And of course, Martin Luther started the Lutheran church. And then there came along a man by the name of Joseph Smith in upstate New York we're told he was under a tree and he looked up in a tree and he seed an angel in the tree named Moroni, which was full of baloney. There was no angel named Moroni. The Bible does not speak of an angel named Moroni. And Joseph Smith went across the country to the state of Utah to start a church. I'm not in that church tonight. I'm in the Acts church. 
You're in the Acts church. You're in the apostolic church that started in the book of Acts. I'm part of the Acts church. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. The gospel starts with repentance. I must first recognize that I am a sinner. I am born a sinner. I am a sinner by nature. We're all of the nature of the children of wrath. There's nothing good about me. If there's anything good about me, it's what God put in me. I have no goodness in me. I have no righteousness in me. If I do, it's self-righteousness. Now, I believe in the righteousness of God which is by faith in Jesus Christ. God is giving righteousness and holiness through the church. Now as he, verse 16, now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. They were not fishers of men at that moment. He said, I will make you to become fishers of men. Something happened in the spiritual formation of the twelve and it's still working in the church today something caught my attention the other day when pastor was preaching in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1 it said when he called unto him his twelve disciples his pupils his learners he gave them power so he Gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles. <laughs> After they received power, they went from just being disciples just being pupils, just being learners, to being messengers, and to being those that He sent. That's what apostle means. It means a messenger. It means He that is sent. What took place at that moment that He gave power was a divine transition. And they say, I'm going to let you progress in this. This is what God is telling to all those that are receiving the Holy Ghost, the power, the fire. I'm going to let you progress in this. I'm going to let you learn of me. 
I'm going to let you understand of me. I'm going to allow spiritual formation to take place in you. I'm going to let divine things be imparted unto you. I'm going to let you learn. I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to let you speak of what has happened to you. I'm going to let spiritual maturity take hold of your life. I'm going to let you become something you've never been. Be Peter became something with the call of God on his life to become something he had never been. I want to tell everybody in this house tonight that you can become something that you've never been. If you have a desire to be used to God, God has a desire to use you. And to be make you or to become something you've never been. And all should be striving to become. I'm not there, but I'm trying to become. I'm doing to become. There's no trying. If I throw, I don't have anything on me. Zeke, try to catch us. No, throw it back to me. Try to catch it. No. One more time. Try to catch it. Well, he tried. There is no trying. You either do it or you don't. If you don't want to become, don't waste your time. And I'm not authorizing this, but there's empty bar seats, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's cigarettes. I don't know why you're wasting your time coming to a church every Wednesday or Sunday. But if you want to become, that's why you're here. I want to become what God wants me to be because this is a much better life. Don't waste your time trying to live for the world because you'll never fit in. You're marked. God has marked you. God has chosen you. You have been bought with a price. And this world is not your home. I'm not in heaven yet. But praise God, I'm on the trip. I'm on the bus. And I'm enjoying this trip, amen. How about you? Verse 18, And straightway they forsook their nets and followed Him. There are three things I'd like to point out from these verses tonight. Number one, And straightway they forsook their nets and followed Him. Jesus said, come after Me. Jesus never did hesitate to ask men to follow Him. He was not reluctant to ask anyone, hey, follow Me. He was the Christ. 
He was the Messiah. He was the Savior of the world. He's the God-man. He's God revealed in flesh. He was manifest in flesh. He preached into this world. He was received up into glory. All God you ever see is in Christ Jesus. When you get to heaven, of course, there's only going to be one throne. There's only going to be one occupant. And His name is Jesus. There won't be three up there play, trying to figure out musical chairs and fighting over a throne. Aren't you glad you know the one and only true God? And His name is Jesus. And in His name and deity is all power and authority. So it says in verse 18, they forsook. They forsook their nets and followed Him. Being a disciple means you must forsake some things. When you come to God, you have to forsake your past. It's an about face. It's a turnaround. I don't do the things I used to do. I don't go to the places I used to go. I don't think the same way that I used to think. There was a change in thinking. There was a change in direction. There was godly sorrow in my life. It continues to be in my life. This is a daily forsaking. It's a new life. It's a new dimension of living. It's a new start. Thank God He forgives and forgives and gives a new start. He forgives, forgets, and gives a new start. Aren't you glad God forgave your sins? He said in Micah 7.19 that He will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. People ask me, why are you so happy? My sins are gone. My sins are gone! Bible says they forsake their nets. Straightway. Someone say straightway. That word straightway means at once. Straightway. At once. It means without delay. If we understand the importance of the gospel, we would say tonight is my night. While I'm preaching, if there's someone here tonight that needs to hit an altar and repent of sins, God will forgive your sins tonight. You ought to come to Him straightway, at once, without delay. It's a dangerous thing to reject God. Tonight, is your night. You need to be having in your mind, this is my time, this is my hour, this is my moment, I can't wait any longer, I have got to come to that altar tonight. If you're unsaved, what do you have to do? It's the most important thing. I've got to come to God. Life is uncertain. But death is sure. 
It's a wonderful thing if you come to God. Amen? There's folks that have been in this house. They said, I've been a lot of places that claim to be Christian and they do things that weren't right. Well, there's people in this world that don't do things right. But today's a day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. God is in this house and He is near. And you can call upon His name and He will answer. So first thing in Mark, I would say has to do with your job, your occupation, your career. So the first thing in Mark 1 is that He called them to be fishers of men. God is calling people tonight. You shouldn't let your job, your occupation, your career stand between you and getting right with God. I don't believe when you must, that you have to give up your job, but there's some adjustments that have to be made. When you come to God, you have to understand the art and the value of putting God first. That's the number one thing. Matthew 6.33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And if you're going to be a disciple, you must put God first in everything. In your job, He's first. In your occupation, He's first. He's first in all of it. You can still live for God and have a good job. You can still live for God and have a good living. You can still live for God and drive a nice car. He's got to be number one. Acts 17.32 Paul's preaching to some in Athens and said when he heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. I want you to notice something in these things that were given as a response. Number one, some mocked. Number two, we'll hear you again on this matter. The first one, ridiculed. They didn't want any part of it. The second group of people said, hey, we'll hear you again. We're not totally opposed to what you're saying, but give us some more time. That can be deadly. That can be very deadly. I'm talking to someone tonight. That may be deadly. If this was your last service to attend, what would be your response? If you knew tonight, May 24th of 2023 was your last service, would you pray? Or would you just walk out that door tonight? I'm talking to someone tonight that needs to tap in to Jesus. So in Acts chapter 17 and 32, there were some that mocked, and there were some that delayed. And in verse 34, it said, Certain men clave unto them. Some men said, Not for me. Some men, possibly for me, but not right now. Others reached out and they embraced what Paul said. In order to become a disciple, you have to embrace the message. you got to reach out and cleave to it. It's got to be a part of your life. It's got to be a part of the most important thing in your life. And do you know what Paul said? Paul said, 
this on one occasion. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Back to Mark 1. They wanted it. They forsook their nets. It represented their business. It represented their career. It represented their job, their occupation. I want to tell you tonight, this gospel will affect you in every way. Just joining the church is not the answer. This is what we have to speak into this world. Just joining a church is not the answer. Just signing a card that said, I was there, is not the answer. Just shaking the man of God's hand is not the answer to being saved. There has to be a giving of oneself to God, giving your mind, your spirit, your body, your life. It's not a casual thing. This is about an intimate relationship with God. It means everything. It means everything. Young people, you got a lot ahead of you. This means everything. You may think you have your whole life ahead of you. You don't have any idea what's ahead of you. You need to come to God now. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Our flesh doesn't like that. Deny himself. Verse 25, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What's more important in this life, living for God or living in sin? I believe you can have money and still love God. I believe you can have a nice house and still live for God. I believe you can have a nice car and still live for God. Does anybody else believe that tonight? But you have to put God first. You'll be amazed at how God will honor you and sustain you and bless you. He said, deny yourself. Mark 10, 28, then Peter began to say in them, Lo, we've left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, there is no man that had left house or brethren or sister or father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses, brethren, sister, mother, children, lands with persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. When you make that commitment, don't sit around worrying about things. You'll increase more than you've ever given up. You shall receive a hundred for more than the last time. You're going to receive houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions. You're going to have some reversals. You're going to have some setbacks. But in the world to come, you're going to have it all. Everlasting life. I'm excited to be living 
for God. Don't be looking at Christians that are sad. Look at Christians that are with joy. They have a smile on their face. They have the Jesus in their heart and in their mind doing a work through them, in them, and for them. So the first thing it affects is your career. You put God first. You put Him in the driver's seat. Everything's going to be all right. This isn't some sad sack religion that we're part of. No one made me come to church tonight. I came because I was hungry. I came because I had a desire. I came because I want something from God. I came because I want Him to be discipling me and teaching me. When you put God first, He makes the difference. Luke 14, 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's a heavy one. The second thing is that affects is your family relationship when you come to God. Mark 1, verse 20, And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee, in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. He wasn't saying get rid of your parents. But if you have a choice to put God first or your parents first, put God first. If it's a choice of putting your husband first or God first, you put God first. If it's a choice of putting your wife first or God first, you put God first. If it's a choice of putting your children first or God first, you put God first. Jesus is first place in your life if you want to be a disciple, a follower. Notice, they left Him in the ship. They didn't take two months to leave Him. They left Him with the hired servants. They didn't take 30 minutes to get out of there. When Jesus said, come on, they were ready to go. Notice, in every case, straightway, they forsake their nets. Straightway, they left the Father. Are you willing to put God first in everything? If your mom, dad, brother, sister, relative said, I wouldn't go to that church, or I wouldn't go to that Pentecostal church, I'd be respectful, but I would put God first. Come on, am I talking to somebody tonight? You're going to face persecution. You're going to face relatives that are going to say, you're an idiot. You're a dummy. You're a moron. There's better things out there than the church. No, there's not. I'm giving him everything. If there's people on the job that said I wouldn't go there, I'd still go. If my neighbor said, you wouldn't catch me alive in that place, I'd still go. It's discipleship. It's discipleship. It's discipleship. God needs people with skill. God needs people that are determined. God needs people that are hungry. God needs people that are hardworking to be a part of the kingdom. You don't have to lose everything you got. You just got to put it to God first. Forsake your job. 
occupation, career, leave your family in the boat, follow Jesus. And the last thing I noticed in Mark chapter 1, verse 18, it was your job. Verse 20, it was leave your family. Verse 21, finally, they went into Calpurnium straightway on the Sabbath day. He entered into the synagogue and taught straightway three times. This salvation will affect your job because you put God first. This salvation will affect your family because you put God first. I'm not following and you're not following a denomination, an organization, or a structure of men. We're following Jesus. John chapter 8 verse 31. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on Him, If you continue in My Word. Everybody say continue. Then are ye my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you will continue in my word. Continue means persist, pursue, or carry on with. You have to persist and pursue the word. You have to carry on with the doctrine and the gospel in your life. Some come to church and they leave. Some stay for a while and they leave. Some come and they stay for a number of years and they leave. But Jesus said, you have to stay and continue. If you have friend or family that leave, I want you to know they're coming back. Don't lose faith. Jesus said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew the strength. If you have family members that are not saved, don't lose hope. Job 14.7 I'm getting close. For there is hope of a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stalk therefore die in the ground yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. If you have unsaved relatives just keep praying for them. Just keep praying for them. Don't give up on them. John 4 and 14. But whatsoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him as a well of springing water. Let's stand. I read something that just really started rolling last year, but it's been several years. But the United Methodist Church has had a lot of churches in the last 12 months leave because of their open endorsement of LGBTQ community. They're losing churches. They formed a new group called the Global Methodist Church and in June of last year, they lost 35 churches in Arkansas, 70 churches in Georgia, 100 churches in Florida, 90 in North Carolina, and I don't know all the other states, but they're splitting over this LGBT situation. So far, over the last several years, they've had 2,000 churches in the U.S. depart. 
That's a lot of folks, people, that need to know the truth. We've got something better to offer people. We believe if you're a liar and you come to God and repent, God will forgive you. If you're an adulterer and you repent, God will forgive you. If you're a drunkard and you repent, He will forgive you. If you're a drug addict and repent, He'll forgive you. If you live a lifestyle of homosexuality and you repent, He'll forgive you. God will forgive you when you repent and ask Him to. I don't believe that the true church is going to split over any movement or any situation. But I believe we stand in solidarity that God can forgive anybody. This walk that you and I are part of, it's a discipleship culture. What God has done for you, He wants to do through you for somebody else. We're living in an evil world today. And I'm thankful that I'm a child of God. I'm thankful that I'm a disciple. Are you thankful? Are you thankful that one day He called you out? He said, I want that one. And I want that one. And I want to use that one. There's something about them. He's already seen way ahead and He knows what you're going to be doing. Will, he let, will you let Him disciple? Will you allow Him to use you to disciple He's given us the power. He's given us the authority to proclaim the truth, to baptize them in His name, to show them the acceptable way to live for God. I wonder if there's anybody in this house tonight that is willing to say, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow. I want to continue in discipleship. Jesus at the center Come on. Why did the whole church just come? That way nobody feels left out. Jesus if you're holding on to some junk that is causing cloudiness in your mind of what God's desire is for you, he still forgives sin. He still makes a way. He still makes things whole. If you have not received the Holy Ghost, tonight is your night.